Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. It's good to see you guys. I can't believe we have arrived uh, to the last gathering of uh, 2023. And um, I've got a special message for you. Um, I believe that God is gonna speak to us in a very powerful way today because it's about something that we may have just believed and believed wholeheartedly, but maybe we've believed it wrongly. And I think there are times in our lives when we just believe things so deeply because we've been instructed to believe it or just have come to the conclusion that this is the way to believe it. And, and we've heard it uh, said and preached and, and maybe even sung. And it's been in song. So if it's in a song and it's something that the church is worshiping, it's got to be true. And sometimes we realize that what we're sometimes repeating may not necessarily be truth in its entirety but just in part. And we need a fuller understanding and a fuller picture of what it is that God is actually doing in our lives. And so we're gonna talk about blessings and breakthroughs. And I believe that many of us are anticipating blessings and breakthroughs in 2024. I think all of us are expecting things to be different and expecting and believing God to do things differently for us. But how do we do that when we've experienced a traumatic event? How do we do that when we're living out a tragedy? How do we believe in that when things just seem to still carry over into the new year from some of the mistakes that we made in the previous year? You know, it's like sometimes things follow us, even though we're changed and we're different, our circumstances haven't caught up to that yet. Even though we're thinking differently, acting differently, praying differently, being different, but yet things are still the same in its appearance, in our circumstances, in our everyday way of doing life. Well, there's a, a verse in the scriptures, and I, I know you probably have heard it at some point. And so when I read it with you today, I know there's going to be a familiarity to it. And it's, it's a popular song too, so I'm, I'm sure you're going you're gonna to catch this. In Job chapter 1 and in verse 20 to 22, it says that Job got up and he tore his robe and he shaved his head and then he fell to the ground and he worshiped. And he said, naked, I came from my mother's room and naked, I shall return there. And then the Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And despite all this, the scriptures say that Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. 
And I love that at the end, it says that he didn't blame God. But he did question God. And he struggled with God a lot. We know that because there's about, from chapter 3 all the way through to about chapter 30, he's questioning God. He's trying to understand why God would do this. <clears throat> now you have to understand something in the, in the Hebrew way of understanding God. When we read the scriptures, if we don't understand this, we're going to miss out on what is happening in the scriptures and not get what these verses mean. See, they believe that God did everything, the good and the bad. And so when Job prays this, well, he believes that God gave him the good, but he also believes that God gave him the bad. He believes that when his family was wiped out, when his livestock was taken from him, when his wealth was decimated, when he had his wife and friends trying to convince him to curse God and turn his back on him, they were just in alignment with God is the one who blesses, but he's also the one who curses. God is the one who gives, but he's also the one who takes away. Except that that isn't true. You see, in the sovereignty of God, we understand that God being sovereign is allowing, but not always the source of. You see, being the source of death, that is not God. Being the source of destruction, you see, that is not God. Being the source of theft, you see, that is not God. And if you understand the character of God and his attributes, you understand that he cannot possess these things. He is not these things. He's never been these things. The antithesis of these things is the devil. The devil is these things. That's what he does. And so when we see God at act, in action, we often think that God is the one who's also doing these things. And that's exactly how Job saw it. And then he does this very sincere prayer and we turned it into a worship song and we perpetuate the bad theology and understanding of what this is actually being said. And I need you to understand that the Job believed that God was behind it, but he would later regret this. How do we know this? Well, well Job tells us. In Job chapter 42 and verse 3, he says that I spoke of things that I did not understand. Job realizes that there were things that he thought he knew, things that he thought he understood, things that he was certain of, but then realized that he was mistaken. That God had to change his view and his understanding of how God worked in the world, but also had been working in his own life. See, God wanted him to understand that he hadn't taken these things from him in the first place, which is why he was able to give them all back and multiply it. The thing about Job in this situation in his life is that uh, Satan is the one who devastated Job's life, not God. And the whole time that his friends and wife are trying 
to get Job to be convinced that God is the one who devastated his life. Even though Job doesn't have the answers, there's one thing he believes wholeheartedly, and that is that he can still trust God. He, he's committed 100% to that. He, he's having a battle within him to understand it. And, and he's even believing that God was behind it, but he doesn't want to turn his back on God. Can we just say amen to that? Because sometimes that's all we've got. We don't have the answers. We don't have an understanding. We don't get the whole picture. But we make a decision that we are going to stay committed to God no matter what. It doesn't matter what other people are telling us and what other people are trying to convince us of. We are going to stay committed. We are not going to cave. And when everything is going wrong, the easiest thing to do is to cave. It's to give in. It's to follow suit. It's to go along with what everybody else is saying because we're also somehow convinced of it too. But there's something in Job that keeps fighting. Something that he refuses to just give into. And I love that about Job. I love that he looks at his life and he looks at his family, but he's still looking at God. See, when his life and his family was taken from him, he never stopped looking at God. And I think that's what we do sometimes. When things are taken from us, we stop looking to God. Because we see a God who wasn't there for us. You know, I, I don't know what my idols are until they're taken away. Sometimes I discover what my idols are only when I no longer have them. I, I don't feel like I'm worshiping these things until I don't have them anymore. And then I realize I've been worshiping them all along because they're actually more important to me than God is. You see, what happened to Job's wife and his friends is that they were only able to worship a God who was a blesser. And they weren't able to worship a God that created more questions than answers. And when those things were taken from them, it was easy for them to turn their back on God. There are several places in the scriptures where we can demonstrate how the scriptures show us this truth. They show us this baseline of understanding of how the Jews were able to see everything as coming from Satan, but also seeing it also from the perspective that it was God. When it came to the census that David took, the Bible says two things about that. It says that David took a census and that it was incited by Yahweh in 2 Samuel 24.1. But then it also says that it was incited by Satan in 1 Chronicles 21.1. How could it be both? Now, it also says this about Judas. We know Judas betrayed Jesus. Well, the scriptures tell us that in Luke 22, 3, that it was Satan who entered him. And in Acts 4, 24, 28, we see that it was God who used Judas to betray Jesus. Paul was afflicted by a messenger of Satan, he said. But then he also said, God sent this 
into my life so that I would not be puffed up with pride and would not become conceited. He attributes the same thing in his physical body to both Satan and to God. There was this understanding that though bad things happened, that God was still somehow always behind it. There was a sovereignty of God. And this is not eliminated from the scriptures because everyone has struggled with this since the beginning of time. And you're not alone in your struggle. You see, when we're battling this, we're all battling the same thing. So the fact is, is that something is the action of Satan. It's the action of Judas. It's the action of wicked kings. It's the action of those who are under the sway of the evil one. But it doesn't mean that it can't also be used by God. See, God in his sovereignty and his power is able to take everything that the devil is doing and still turn it around for our good. That whatever he tries to do to destroy your life, God can take it and then he can restore and give you greater gifts and bless you to an, a measure that you never imagined. That's what he can do. And so if you can understand this, and we're going to be able to keep going here. Because when we are prosperous, prosperity conceals idolatry. When we are blessed, blessing conceals idolatry. When we are seeing things go well, then this conceals idolatry. But it's when loss appears, when disaster strikes, when sickness comes into our bodies. It is then that we truly discover what we really love and what we really believe. And so if you wanna know who you love and what you believe, then you'll only truly know that in a moment of tragedy in a moment of loss, when you're being tested. Does that make sense? And so the, the testing reveals what it is that we love. And many of us are holding on to things that we just cannot let go of. We are unable to surrender those things because we love them like idols, but we don't even know that they're idols in our life. And because we refuse to surrender them, here's what keeps happening. We keep having to relive the problems of the past because our choices have not changed. We love what we want more than we love God. And until we are able to surrender our idol, then we will never know if we are truly loving God or just loving the gifts that he can give us. Now, I want to love God for who he is, not for what he does. I want to love God because I know that when all else fails, I need him more than I need anyone and anything else in my life. I know that he's the ruler of this world and in the world to come. I know that my life doesn't come to an end just because things come to an end. 
just because relationships come to an end, just because things are not the same, I know that God can continue to prosper and bless my life regardless of those things. And the scriptures keep reminding me of this very thing. So do not idolize what you believe you cannot live without. Because God is speaking to each and every one of us about how there are things in our life right now that we just need to destroy. Those idols need to be destroyed. Otherwise, we will not truly love God the way that he desires us to. And so in the story of Job, we discovered that there are three things that a crisis is always gonna reveal. The first thing is that a crisis always reveals who you are. And what that means is that it's gonna reveal what's inside you. It's gonna reveal the fear, the anger, the frustration, the disappointment, the anxiety, the stress. The second thing that a crisis does is it always reveals what you value, where your money is spent. Because that's why Job lost his, his, his house. His whole house was gone. Everything that was in it. He lost every employee. He lost everything. He lost all of his livestock. So where your money is spent, where your energy has been invested, he gave his whole life to building up this. And in one moment, it was all taken away. And how his time was being shared. He did all this, not just for himself. He did it for his family. He did it to develop a legacy, to create an inheritance for generations to come. But now there's no generation to pass it to. It's all gone. Do you understand? And so a crisis then always reveals what you value. So when all those things were taken away, his friends and his wife were like, why are you still holding on to God? Why do you even care? Why is this even important anymore? You have nothing. Have you ever looked at your life and felt like you had nothing? See, Job was feeling just like that. And he believed that this God who had given him everything had also now taken it back. So hold on to that thought. The third thing is that a crisis always reveals what you believe. And I wanna say this, and it's really important. I don't care on which side you lean more of. Maybe you're more of a negative person, maybe you're more of a positive person, I don't know. But here's what I know. You cannot be a believer and not be positive. A believer is positive. A believer hopes. A believer, someone who believes in God, knows that God can always turn things around. A believer believes that he has the final say even after everyone has spoken. A believer lives with that positivity. This is not something that comes out of the heart of Satan. This is something that comes out of the heart of God. God is saying, who are you believing in? Whose report are you believing in? Who are you trusting? What you're seeing or are you trusting me? What you're hearing or me? What others are saying or what I've said? You see, it's important for us to believe in the improbable. 
And I would say, we have to believe in the impossible as well. I have to side with the improbable. It's improbable. But I believe that God can do it. It's impossible. But I know that God can. You see, I got to live like that. I got to think like that. But as you can understand, it was very difficult for Job to do this. That's why he said, the Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know what that prayer sounds like? It sounds like a guy who has given up. It sounds like a guy who has accepted the outcome. The Lord gave and he took it away. Lord, I'm gonna bless your name. Except God didn't take it away. See, we discover in the story that Satan is the one who comes into the presence of God and brings about all these things. We discover that it isn't God who's doing it at all. It is Satan all along. And the reason we need to know this is so that we would crush this false belief and understand that the source of evil in the world is never God, but it's always Satan. Can we say amen to that truth? It is never God, it is always Satan. You see, there was this commitment in Job's voice that no matter what, even if I don't get it, even if I don't understand it, I'm gonna still, I'm gonna still be faithful to God. Job needs to be commended for that. I think he shows incredible resilience, incredible faith by doing that. But we have somehow essentially believed what Job has said and have done so wrongly, and here's why. Because Job, while his commitment was to God, I see that there are things in the story that we need to also be committed to. The first thing I wanna point out is that we need to be committed to giving everything to God 100%. 100% of everything has to be given to God. And that's what Job does, right? When he says the Lord has given, and the Lord has taken away, what he's saying is, it all belonged to God anyways, he could do whatever he wants. Can we say amen to that, right? Like God's in control. So 100%, he's committed. Committed to God being in control of his life. Committed to God giving him 100%, and if 100% is what God wants to take back, then he can take it back. But there's something about Job that says that he's also committed to always getting better. Like this guy, like just give up already. Like just die, like everybody else. Just curse God, just give, give up like, like you would expect him to do. He refuses to do that. He asks question for 33 chapters. I would have stopped after chapter three. <laughs> he keeps asking God why. He keeps fighting because he's committed to understanding. He's committed to his relationship with God. He's committed to not giving up. He's committed to staying positive, even when those around him are negative. And he's committed to God as the giver and as the multiplier. He doesn't know it yet. But God is going to give everything back and multiply it. But that commitment of him being able to do those first three things is what makes number four happen. You see, if you don't do those first three, you're not going to see number four. You're not gonna see him become the giver and the multiplier in your life. 
You see, we can see the whole story that Job is in. And because we know that he did these things, we know that this is the result of those things. I wouldn't know the result of it if God didn't show me the result, but because he does, then I can honestly and truthfully say, this is the outcome. Now God rules over all and has all under his control. And Job doesn't blame God for any of this. Do you know that the hummingbird is the only bird that can actually fly backwards? And it's the only bird that can actually fly upside down. Don't you just love it more now? <laughs> just so cute. <laughs> but it can do those two things, unlike all other birds. You know, other birds can fly backwards for a little bit because it's more like a, a defensive mechanism, right? So they can fly backwards for a little bit. But hummingbirds can actually fly backwards. But what's interesting about birds is, is that they migrate. And, and the idea of migration to the north or to the south, depending on obviously where the bird is, you get that, right? Some, some birds are migrating south and some are migrating north. For us, it's always south, right? But, but sometimes the, the bird is, you know, somewhere else. <laughs> we understand geography a little bit. We understand how this works. Okay, so, so it's funny because sometimes I find myself saying to someone, yeah, this, so the birds were migrating, you know, uh, north. And they're like, no. <laughs> no, they only migrate south. What is wrong with you? Do you think on, birds only exist north? <laughs> it's just funny. So, so why, 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 do, why do birds and I can say it this way, fly backwards. While only the hummingbird actually flies backwards, all birds fly backwards. And all birds, I believe, fly backwards because they have to go back to where they came from. And, and I think that's so important because they don't just do this for climate and for food but they do this for continuity, they do it for survival, they do it so that generations to come always know what to do. Because birds need to see where they've been, otherwise they don't know where they're going. And I think that many of us just don't understand where we've been. We don't know what it's like to fly backwards. We don't know what it's like to do this over and over again because we're just always about trying to forget the past and leave it behind and not learn from it and just keep repeating the same mistakes, but in the worst way possible. When is when God shows us in the scriptures of how important it is to go back to the stones that have been left as monuments of faith. Because that's what Job's life is. It's a monument of faith so that we can go back to it and understand. So that when I fly backwards, I can say, this is where I messed up and this is where I'm not gonna do that again. This is how I'm gonna learn to do this differently. I know that we're entering into a season in which a lot of us are, are gonna be really committed to our New Year's uh, resolutions. And, and besides the actual statistics that shows that no one actually fulfills them, 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna just uh, turn this around a little bit. And, and I'm gonna say, why not, why not do this? Why not all of us in this room be just part of the top 1%? The top 1% who just make the decision to eat better than the 99% of people. What if we just make a decision to be 1% of hydrating ourselves better than 99% of people? What if we just make a decision to be in the 1% and to exercise more than 99% of people? What if we make a decision to follow up better than 99% of people? What if we make the decision to feed our souls spiritually better than 99% of the people? What if we decide that we are going to be in the top 1% that take more action when action is required than 99% of the people? What if we make a decision like Job did and believe more than the 99% of the people around him. How will our life change? See, he was committed to being the 1%. Didn't matter that his friends were telling him to deny God. Didn't matter that his wife did. He was going to be the 1%. Can we be the 1%? Yep. Can we do that? I know typically when you hear be a one percenter, doesn't mean a good thing. <laughs> but this is a good thing, right? How many of you believe that God gives good gifts? Do you believe that like wholeheartedly? This is your... This is what you believe to the core of your being, regardless of what you're seeing, regardless of what you're living, regardless of the past, regardless of what has happened, regardless of what is not happening. Do you believe that God is a giver of good gifts? Then I want you to also be clear on this. Yes, God makes the decision whether he wants to take it back or not. I get it, that's what Joe believed. Until we discover this. In Romans chapter 11, verse 29, can we put that verse up? Romans eleven twenty nine. 29, God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. Now, if you don't know what the word irrevocable was and what it means, it just means that he cannot take it back. So was Job right when he said, the Lord gives and he takes away? He wasn't right. He was wrong. But it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to question. Because the one thing that Job did that was right was that he never broke his commitment to God. And because he never broke his commitment to God, God restored 
every gift and the call on his life that Satan tried to take away. You see, the story isn't about him losing it. The story is how God restores it. It's about how Satan can't take it away. Not permanently. God always has the ability of bringing it back. And you know, when people lose someone, it's really hard. I mean, I've lost people in my life. I mean, over COVID, I lost two cousins, one in Italy, one in Montreal. And they weren't healthy to begin with. And when COVID hit them early on at the beginning of this virus, they both, they both passed. And I, I mean, there are so many people who do what I do in my family. Like they do it across Canada. They do it in Europe. Like we have a lot of people of faith in our, in our family. Like uh, people who work with the homeless, people who work in prisons, people who work in churches, people who work just serving God, serving others. This is what we do. It's like a, it's like a family thing. It really is. I tried to escape it. I, it's, a, it's a story for another time. But. And all of us prayed that they would be healed and both died. Does, you think that doesn't gut you? doesn't hurt you, doesn't affect you, the thing that doesn't somehow destabilize you. When you have so many people in so many communities of faith and so many nonprofits and, and people in acts of service and praying and believing for that to happen and it doesn't happen. And we look at that and when we say, but I don't understand how God restores this. Well, did Jesus not rise from the dead. You see, you see, death doesn't win. Everywhere Satan thought he won, Jesus showed us how he was defeated. And he defeated death as well, because one day, not in this body, in a glorified body, just like the one that Jesus showed his disciples, we will all see each other again. Can we say amen to that? You see, we always win. Everything gets restored. Whatever's taken is given back. It's his promise to us, even those who have died. And it's not just a hope, it's a promise. And here's what we know about the truth. And that the thief comes to only steal, kill, and destroy. Can we put up John 10.10? 10? We're almost done here. Now the Bible tells us through Jesus, and I think this is better than learning from Job, no offense to Job, I love Job, but I'm gonna pay attention to what Jesus says more. Anybody else? <laughs> I'm not gonna build my theology on the words of Job, but I will build my theology on the words of Jesus. And so Jesus tells us that it's only the thief, it's only Satan who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it to the full. Listen, this promise isn't just for some of us. This is for all of us. And what you see in this story is two things. One, there is a real devil. One, there is a real thief. There is a real murderer and a real destroyer. He is all those things. But then we also have in the same verse, in the same verse, 
that Jesus says, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Why would those two things be in the same verse? Because we are both true. But only one is Satan and only one is God. You see, Satan is the first part and God is the second part. Amen. Oh, come on, that deserves a clap. Not for me, but for God. We, we can't be confused about these two different roles. One's a giver, the other is a taker. If you've been given something good, give thanks to God. But if you've been robbed, don't blame God. He's not behind your loss. Humans, all of us, we're such slow learners. From the beginning of human history, the devil has been trying to steal and ruin everything that God gave us. And yet, there are still some who think that God is the thief. God gave us authority over a planet and the devil took it from us. God gave us freedom and the devil somehow got us to choose the way of slavery instead. God gave us eternal life, health, and glory, and we lost it all. But thank God for Jesus, who took back what the devil stole. Does God give and take away? If you think he does, then you've missed the point of Jesus. Jesus came to reveal a generous father and to destroy the work of the thief. That's what it says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. Jesus came that we might have life to the full. And if you think God gives and takes away, then you have more faith in karma than you do in grace. Because what karma says is what goes around comes around. If you're healthy now, you're gonna be sick tomorrow. If you're prospering now, then poverty's waiting just around the next corner. When disappointments and hardships come, you won't be surprised. You'll just throw in the towel and say, I knew it was too good to be true. I knew it was too good for it to last. But the God that we serve is a God who just gives. The only thing he'll take off of you is your sin. The only thing that he'll steal from you is your shame. The only thing that he'll take back is your sickness. It's your worries and your fears. And he takes away those things that harm us and that give us good things instead. Things that will bless us. You know, David was an example of who Jesus would later be to all of us. And the thing about David is that there was a time when he was still on the run. He had left his town and all the women, the children, and all the wealth had been stolen from them in, in a town called Ziglag. And when he came back, the, the Bible says that they wept for so long that they just ran out of tears. And then he got up and he made a decision that he would no longer be distressed and he made the choice to turn to God and to pray. And then he said, God, do I go after them? 
Do I pursue them? Do I do this? And in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 8, look what it says. Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? And then God says, pursue them. You will certainly overtake them and you will succeed in your rescue. Do you know why he says that? Because here for the first time we understand that when something is stolen, when something is taken, you don't have to just sit and take it. You don't just have to mourn your loss. You can get up and you can fight back. You can get up and you can pursue them. You can get up and you can go after them. And you don't let the enemy win. Listen to me. If there was ever a word that God gave me for 2024, it was get up and pursue. Just get up and pursue. Don't let the enemy win. Whatever's been taken is going to be restored. You want to believe that for yourself? You want to believe that for you? In Psalm 27, in verse 13 to 14, look at what David sings. Look at what he says. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Amen. He's saying, I'm not going to have to die to see God bring justice. I'm going to see it while I live. I'm going to see God's blessing right here. See, we don't have to wait and believe it's gonna come. God is saying, I want you to experience it now. That's what it means to live life and live it with his abundance. Living it full. Yes, the enemy's out there. Yes, he's stealing. Yes, he's destroying. Yes, he's killing. But that is not how things will remain for you who believe in a God who tells you to pursue and to go after what has been taken and then see God restore it. I wish I could go back in time and, and get to Job before his friends did. I wish I could be there and say, Job, I, I know how this ends. I, I'm coming to you from the future. Anybody love time travel movies? <laughs> Besides me? I, I would go back. When people say, what would you do if you could go back in time? I'd say, one of the things I would do is I would go back and see Job. <laughs> because even people who aren't spiritual and don't know anything about the Bible have heard about Job. Isn't it true? And, and it's such a, a, a long book to read. It's kind of confusing. And there's so many weird things happening in it. But I wish I could get back to Job and I and get there before his friends. And I would say, God didn't tell your, God didn't kill your kids, Job. God didn't steal your livestock. He didn't make you sick. You, you've been attacked and you've been robbed. And, and the devil is having a go at you. Don't just sit in the ashes and cry about it. I want you to get up and I want you to fight. You see, the church will never see victory if we think that God is behind our suffering. You will never see victory if you think God is behind your suffering. I want you to stand. I want you to resist. I want you to fight back. And I want you to believe in a God who gives great gifts. 
A God who restores and brings back what is stolen and a God who multiplies what is lost. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only he can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening and God bless you immensely.